Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Andrew Millen, and you're listening to the Celtic Soul Podcast. My guest on the show today will be Johnny Marin. Johnny, born and bred in the Garbles, attended his first match with his dad back in the late 50s. A lifelong Celtic fan, Johnny now lives in my hometown, Drada. But he's also went on a few journeys with his walking life, and he's walked all around the world. And a very interesting character is Johnny, and he has some great stories from his home and away travels with Celtic. And with travel opening up now again back to Glasgow from Ireland, I'm sure I'll be bumping into Johnny regularly at bus stations, airports and maybe even at the bar at Brazen Head because we're generally heading in the same direction on match days towards Celtic Park. Folks, thank you so much for the continued support. As you know, we produce free content across all our platforms. We don't have a Patreon and we don't put any of our content behind the paywall. But if you can't afford it, please visit CelticFanzine.com where you'll find the donate button and if you hit that, you can donate for the price of a point. And those donations help us to continue to grow the podcast and our independent Celtic media platform as we enter our 20th season producing independent Celtic fan-driven media. And I would like to say thank you very much to Charlie Glavin and the boys from the Pat Glavin Cork Number 1 Celtic Supporters Club for sponsoring this episode of the podcast, our first of the new season. And I'd also like to thank them for coming on board again this season by signing up to the Supporters Club fanzine page. All their members will now receive a digital copy of each issue in their inbox and also a print copy and a free t-shirt is on the post, is in the post on the way down to Cork. We're still looking for episode sponsors for the podcast, for the new season folks and for the fanzine and thanks to everyone who reached out to us and signed up already. Advertisers have the benefit of advertising across all our platforms, video, audio, fanzine, both print and digital, social media and on the website. We are fully fan-funded and sponsored by Celtic-minded businesses, Celtic supporters clubs and individuals who share our values. And for more information, you can contact us through the website, on social media, or you can email us at info at celticfanzine.com. And if you visit our website, you can also support us by becoming a member, buying some of our merch or a fanzine, subscribing to the fanzine, or as I said earlier, donating for the price of a point. And you can also visit our shop and check out our latest t-shirts, badges and merchandise. The plan is to still bring the podcast out each Friday as travel opens up and the bonus podcast will go out during the week. But this episode of the podcast is a little late because uh, I enjoyed myself a little too much in Glasgow and was lucky enough to get tickets for both the West Ham friendly and the FC Midland game. And I hung on for a few days each side of the games to uh, to hook up with old friends and enjoy a couple of pre and post-match points in some of Glasgow's finest pubs. And it was great to be back. Uh, great to see the businesses thriving again and the sun was out the fans were out and if you, ha- if you haven't been lucky enough to get a ticket for Celtic Park you're going to really enjoy your homecoming because uh, it was special walking up the Celtic way I have to say Richie is walking away a graphic designer on the new issue 116 so once we've that ready we'll get it out in the post to all our subscribers and we'll have details up on the website if you want to order a single copy you can still download the digital edition of 115 and 
check out our back issues on the website. And if you never want to miss a copy of the print or the digital edition, you can subscribe for as little as $5.99. And all those subscribing for 12 issues will receive a free t-shirt. So please visit Celtic Fans in TV on our YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button and check out our playlist where you'll find all our shows Talking to Terrace, Celtic AM, Millish Meets, Celtic Soul Shots, The Grand Owl History. We've got bits and pieces from Celtic from the press conference we do with them and you'll also find all the Celtic Soul podcasts now on YouTube. And I have to thank David Potter for the recent uh, Grand Owl History podcast which we, we dedicate to the memory and the life of Charlie Gallagher who will be sadly missed by Celtic fans uh, who knew Charlie and also those lucky enough to have seen him play. Don't forget all the Celtic Soul podcasts are available across all platforms so please follow or subscribe. It doesn't cost anything on your preferred provider. All podcasts, both audio and video are also available on our CelticFanzine.com website where you can also subscribe to our newsletter. Keep up to date with what we're up to. As I said there earlier, I love getting back to Glasgow Unfortunately, I couldn't stay for the unveiling of the Great Hunger Monument in the Calton, but thanks to Heinze for posting up pictures and videos on social media for those of us who couldn't make it. I'm sure it will now be a, a regular stop for people to pay homage to, I suppose, the forefathers of our club um, and, our, and our ancestors who travelled to Glasgow for food and, and, and a, I suppose, a better life. And I suppose the, the biggest um, tribute to the famine is Celtic Park, but it's great now to have this monument to those who made the journey and I suppose remember those who died during those um, dark dark times on the playing side now that we do need some major reconstruction in the defence the West Ham game showed us that um, there's, there's just so much work to be done we should never be getting pumped at home by six goals although there was signs going forward of what the manager's all about and the style of play he wants to play and we did play well for I suppose small periods in the game but look we just need we just need to get the defence overhauled and it's not fair and the young lads having to carry all this it's, it's a, it was a very two very young centre halves in there and they just were up against quality experienced Premier League players who play at a higher level than us let's let's be honest I think we still need to address the, the goalkeeping position as well last Tuesday night as I said I was one of the, the lucky 9,000 inside against Midland and you know what we had so many chances to win that game you know a mix of the woodwork and poor finishing probably cost us and then you know we lose a goal to another set piece and it just it's just deja vu stuff but look hopefully we can get the result in Denmark and secure passage to the next round if not we'll be in the Europa League and that'll see our first home game of the season switch to a Sunday but there's going to be more fans inside and whether well, it's Saturday or Sunday it's going to be great for those who haven't experienced getting back to Celtic Park yeah or even just getting back to Glasgow to see old friends and you know, enjoy a point or a stroll around the city. And maybe by then we'll have a couple of more players in and also our new boys will have settled in and come out of isolation and be part of the first-team squad and maybe we'll get to see them in that game. Who knows? My guest on the show today is Celtic fan and Gobbles boy Johnny Marin, a lifelong Celtic fan whose dad took him to his first game in the late 1950s and since then he has travelled home and away with the boys and he has a tale or two to tell Johnny Marin may live in draw but in his heart it's always been in the Garbles in Glasgow where he was born and bred and where his love affair with Celtic football club first began hello Johnny you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast and it's great to have you in the studio here at more than 90 minutes HQ as we come out of Covid 
back to normality a little, which kicked off for both of us last week with a return to Glasgow, where we have a new manager in charge of Celtic. Well, thank you, Andrew, for inviting me in. It's a um, pleasure to be here. Uh, the season coming up, I am very, very optimistic this is going to be something different from what we've been used to last season. You know, I, the, the man Angie speaks very, very well, and I think a lot of the SMS in Glasgow are going to be a wee bit shocked at his approach to them, because I don't think he's going to take any of the bull that other people have taken from him. Hopefully, the players that's been mentioned, and I know there's been so many of them. You know, we're, we're got, if we get two or three of them, I mean. I hate criticising Celtic players, I never do, but we definitely, there's positions that has to be filled in very quickly. The two fullbacks and the goalkeeper. You know, up front, I think Eddie's going to go, we know Eddie's going to go, it's a matter of when. So he certainly got to fill that position because the Swiss boy we've got, he, he just runs about like a headless chicken. The boy is coming in from um, Japan, Watching the montage on uh, YouTube, he excites me. He seems to play on the shoulder of the last defender, but his pace is electric and he just goes away from him. So we get him in. I know it's going to take another four weeks to get him quarantined, bedded in, training with the boys, finding out the system we're going to play. I think everything's going to start looking good for us. Yeah, when I looked at the team sheet, Johnny, on Tuesday evening, uh, I was lucky enough to have a ticket for the game. When I looked at the team sheet, I commented to Hilly, I says, uh, I'm happy with From Sorrow Up. We're a bit, we're very light at the back and then the goalkeeper, obviously he had another howler. And you know you, you know yourself, you don't want to criticise Celtic players, but the time has come now where like, there is players out there in that defence that give you 100% and they did the other night, but maybe they just don't have the quality to take us to that next level to give us a run in Europe or to win the league because we have to wrestle this title back from across the city Johnny because uh, you know I don't want to look back at last season I just want to forget but you know things things have to change very slow getting the manager in but hopefully now that hopefully we saw with the, with, with the young Israeli lad that you know he looked he looked the best player on the pitch before he was taken off Johnny and if we can get a bit, a bit more quality in well then you know, we might we might just have a team, but it may just take a few weeks to settle in. Well, Andrew, I'll I'll certainly wait until we get the quality rather than just. I mean, there's so many fans out there. All they want to see is somebody filling the jersey. Whether he's mediocre, or he's a superstar. It doesn't matter to a lot of people. They just want Celtic to buy somebody. I'm quite happy to wait. If we have to wait for another five six weeks to the end of the window to get the right people, I'm quite happy with that because there's a long way to go after that in the season. Yeah, and I I just keep. My memory goes back to Wim Janssen when I think of a manager that didn't really have a pre-season and then came in, didn't have a great start, but come the end of that season, we were celebrating. The sunshine going down the Gallagher. I'm sure you were drinking a few pints in the Garbles that night. I'm sure, yeah. That, that was the days of the Railby Club and the Garbles. Uh, there was no brazen head in them days, yeah. Yeah, the, Rail, the Railby Club, um, I was in it a couple of times. It was normally a stop on the way to Hamden. The Naga used to get us in. Yep, the Naga was um, not a freaking visitor, but a welcome visitor. Well, he he knew every dorm and enemy. That was that was music the area, especially on a warm sunny day, and you could sit in the beer garden. Yeah, but Johnny, look, it's a new season. Um, 
I regularly bump into you at bus stations or in the airport, even though we now live in the same town. But I think I only met, met you once during the lockdown when I was out walking with the dog. And although, you know, although we had contact through social media, uh, we thought things could go better that day. They only got worse. Um, we didn't think they get any worse, but the season dragged on. But it's great to hear that you're positive now about the new manager and hopefully the dawning of a new era with some new players coming in and then players going out. But um, as I said, Johnny, it just needs time to, and I think the fans need to be patient with this one. I fully agree with you 100%, but unfortunately, knowing the history of a large number of our fans, they have no patience. Everything has to be done tomorrow, irrespective of the outcome. It has to be done tomorrow, which I think that mindset is going to have to change. It will change because I do believe that Ange will bring the people in who he feels will do what the job is intended for them. Not just filling the jersey. Look at me, I no, I, I wore the shirt. You know, hopefully things, is, yeah, I, it's not hopefully, things are going to change this season. I know it is. Yeah. And do you think that, um, I, I'm just shocked that he hasn't brought in his own assistant well there's another story isn't there I mean what happens up there is it's John Kennedy now again I'm not criticising John Kennedy but is he there for life because of his family connections and because he a bad injury as a young player I don't know but we don't know if you look at what Chris Ayer said during the season uh, sorry during last week about the one person that he's got to special mention was John Kennedy. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We see John Kennedy standing there in the dugout for the last 10 games of the season. Passive, you know, no emotion, no, no cajoling, berating people you know, to get their finger out. So that's the, that's the image that he gives over. That's possibly and probably is the type of guy he is. You know, but... I know, Brenton Rogers tried to take him away to Leicester. So there must be something there that the guy's good at. As for uh, Gavin Strachan, I don't know what his role is, apart from looking at his um, laptop. Yeah, that became the, uh, the butt of a lot of jokes. But I suppose there's just, Johnny, you know, when you've been watching football as long as, like I've been watching it for a long time, but you've been watching it even longer. And when you do see new technology and stuff like that, the game is changing. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to hark back onto the laptop jokes and that, but I I wouldn't have minded if they they were part of the setup. I just would have liked him to see some him bringing in someone that he trusted, because you know we saw it with Lennon. Um, he's even come out and said now that you know the manager should bring in his own man. You know Martin O'Neill, Brendan Rodgers. These are men that wouldn't have come in without the backroom team. And I, I, I honestly think that maybe that was the stumbling block with how that the goalposts were moved. And he went, no, I'm not bringing I'm not going in without me men. And, you know, in hindsight now, the Eddie Howe thing is it just, it, it dragged on that long. You're kind of glad he didn't come. And there was the positivity around Ange. But again, it's all positive at the start. We were positive when the players came in last year. And none of them really carried out any type of positive role at the club. It was like the signings last year was, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think we brought in one signing last year either on loan or uh, Bar. That that was decent. 
No, I agree with you there. So, so, but we, we were probably sitting here this time last year going, oh, that goalie looks like a good Greek international and Duffy coming up, you know, bit of experience. But it didn't work out for them. But hopefully it'll, it'll work out with these. I've interviewed a Japanese journalist and he, he said we've got the best manager in, in the J-League and now we've got the best player. So that's... That's music to me years, but I hope uh, I hope Dan over there in, in Tokyo covering the Olympics this week. I hope he's right. But Johnny, I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. I, I don't want to hack on about the whole uh, the whole current setup because I want to go back to the garbage, Johnny, and I want you to take me back because it's it's a place I know, but I only know it um, for twenty or thirty years. But you know it a little longer. You take us back to the garbage and early memories and. Suppose your first memories of Celtic. Well, the first game I ever seen was against Third Lanark at Catkin Park. It was nineteen fifty eight. I remember my dad. It was about a mile from to the park from the house. And my dad, after I left the pub at two o'clock, which the pubs closed at that time on the Saturday at two o'clock, we walked up to the game, and you couldn't see ten feet in front of you because of the fog. We got there. Celtic won three one. There was two Lisbon Lions actually played in the team, Big Billy and Bertie Old. Bertie Old actually scored two goals, if I remember correctly. Now, my dad used to go and see uh, Third Lanark quite often because it was so close to the house. But I remember after that, I said, Dad, can we go and watch Celtic? He said, yes, I'll bring it to Parkhead. And that was the beginning of this 63-year journey, love affair. Amazing. And what was it like growing up? In, in the garbers. I listened to a lot of people saying, oh, it was rough. And I don't remember it that way. You dealt the hand you were given. And I had a happy upbringing. Albeit my mother died when I was very young. Then we went to live with my nanny. Then a couple of years later, she passed away. Then my dad at that time had moved to Castle Milk. So obviously he took us up to Castle Milk. But I was back in the garbers two years later, staying with an uncle and auntie. It was fabulous, you know, the, the, the uh, friendships that I had. Even to this day, some of the guys I drink with today is the guys from the back in my school days. There's quite a number of them, actually. We all went to school together. Some a wee bit older, some a wee bit younger. But we sit there and we talk about different things. You know, reminisce about, do you remember the time we went to, and you remember that game? And you know, Actually, I was only talking there a couple of weeks ago, We've been all, ten of us went off in a minibus to the European Cup final in 1974. We weren't in it. Uh, Atletico Madrid cheated us out in the semi-final. But we had everything booked, so we went anyway. And myself and a couple of other guys were just sitting talking about it there a few weeks ago. The laugh we had. We never got as far as Amsterdam to the final. We got as far as Ostend, and the guy who was carrying all the petrol money lost it. <laughs> So we, we all piled back in the bus, back onto the ferry, and we ended up in the Lake District, then a caravan park for a couple of days until it was time to come back to Glasgow. But they, they, people weren't affluent there then the way they are now. And I remember I quit my job so that I could get my holiday pay to go to Amsterdam. That's how mental it was. You know? Well, Johnny, I'd say now if Glasgow wasn't that final, you would have found petrol money somewhere. Oh, or if Salik yeah. wasn't that final. It was certainly um, a holiday to remember and some of it to forget. Then later on that year, we formed the Frank Celtic Supporters Club, which is still active in the Gorbals. Um, I was a founding member. and There's one other founding member still travels with the bus. 
uh, John Comiskey. All the other guys have either moved on or they've passed. But we still run the bus out to Brazenhead. We call the bus... It's like a time machine because it's a 14-seat minibus and it's often 40 and it going to park it. <laughs> <laughs> and and t- explain the Franks, the name. It came from St. Francis School. Uh, St. Francis Chapel in the Gorbals, which is not... The Franciscan Brothers... You know, the, the, the building's still there, but they moved down to um, Dunscotus, which used to be St. Luke's. They had the, 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 the inaugural meeting and there was about 30 people there. Then everybody's putting in ideas, what would we call ourselves? And somebody says, well, why don't we call ourselves St. Francis? So we, we shortened it to the Franks. And they say, the bus is still running to this day, you know, 14-seater. And we, we like ourselves to the US Marines because we leave nobody behind. It must be something coming out onto buses from that pub. I've been on a few of myself that, especially going to away trips. I think we went, went to Edinburgh one day and there must, there must have been 60 on the bus. So it was a 50 seater, but it was, it was standing room only. And I also, I was in there the other day, I was in talking to Jan the morning of the um, Midland game. And where I was sitting, right in front of me, was a big, huge frame picture of the Franks in Las Vegas. So that that you, you, you jog the memory now, and um, but the Garbles is is mentioned the brazen head. That's kind of the heart of it now. Obviously, it's changed now as well. You know, the tenements are gone, and you know it's it's it used to be, I suppose, that that a real strong Irish community. But I suppose it's mixed now, is it? Well, it was always mixed, you know. People don't realise that there certainly was a massive amount of uh, Irish dysphoria who lived in the Gorbals when I grew up. But there was also Latvians, there was Polish, there was Russians, you know. It was such a broad mix, it was unbelievable. But everybody got on with each other. There was nothing like what we get now in different parts of the world, you know, because of your religion, your race, whatever. And it's still the same in the Gorbals today to a certain extent. I mean, everybody in the Brazen is welcome, irrespective of where you come from. You know, I, I know pubs on the other side of the city where you couldn't walk in. You know, all of a sudden all the heads are cranking around saying, who's that? In the Brazen, nobody gives the monkeys, yeah. Oh, I love it. I, I love a good night in the Brazen. I had a, f- a few points um, before the game, when I did enjoy it, it was nice to be back because it was 500 days and I, more than, I think it was more than 500 since I had a point in the brazen. But um, yeah, Johnny runs a good shop, I have to say. And he was. Uh, John's sound is a bit He was very welcoming. We sat with Bain and went in, and the first point was on the house, which, uh, funny enough, I've been in a good few pubs in, in Trada and uh, still waiting for the first point on the house after the, after the lockdown. But maybe I'll go to one and I'll get one at, at some stage. But the garbage is said, right? Um, when I think of the garbage, I think of Paddy Crown and I think of Charlie Gallagher who passed away last week uh, and was buried. Um, a great player and, and, and a true gent and, and such a modest person. As a young fella, I used to see Paddy and Charlie walking the streets of the Gorbals. They used to go to St Luke's Boys Guild to play snooker on a Sunday night. And that's where you would see the two of them. Now, Paddy lived across the street from me, almost diagonally. And I remember when there was about five or six, I went up to his door to ask for his autograph. He gave me one stern look and he says, I'll sign it this time, don't ever come back. <laughs> okay, okay, Paddy. <laughs> Ran down the stairs. <laughs> now, they're, um, they're both Guido people. Uh, they're people are from Guido. 
as is Aidan McGeady's. So a huge connection now. Um, Charlie McGinley, of course, living in Edinburgh now, but Charlie's also from there. And I think I've said it on the podcast last week that Charlie boasts that he's uh, he won a junior medal in Donegal, but Craven a Gallagher didn't. You know they, they might have won European cups, but they didn't win a junior medal with Guido. But what's your um, what's your uh, background, Johnny? You know where where does your family come from? My family originally came from uh, County Monaghan. In a little town, a little village called Donamoyne. It's just outside Carrick Macross. <clears throat> now, I've been back there. The family house is still, the original family house is still there. All my past relations are all buried in the local graveyard. You know, I had I had a cousin in Glasgow, Margaret Bonney, who took it into her head about 10 years ago to do the family tree. And she, she persevered for years and years, but then she got to a stage and it all stopped. Now, six years ago when my daughter was getting married, Margaret and her husband Sammy, plus my other cousin Lena and her husband Alan, they came over and they went up to Carrick Macross and they went into a shop, a spa shop, and she started speaking to the girl on the checkout. And she explained the reason why she was there. She said, looking for the family tree to continue it. And she said, ah, sure, you go down the street there and talk to Mary, she'll sort you out. So she went down and met this lady, gave her all the information what she had, and she says, I'll be back to you. About three hours later, the girl rang her. She says, I've got the rest of your family. So a couple of days after the wedding here, we went up to Donegal, uh, up to Monaghan, sorry, to have a look at everything, you know, take photographs. It was, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. It was quite, um, it, was, it was a terrific fate of a company for Margaret because she, she spent a fortune and all the time she put in, you know. And Actually, last year she sent me the whole family tree from both sides of my family. And it was quite interesting. I won't get into it, but it's quite interesting on my um, my father's side. His great-great-grandfather was for but um, on my mother's side, they came from the islands in Scotland. And one of my distant relatives way back in 18... 50, whatever, 54 or 56 was the Marquis of uh, Inverkip he was a wealthy gentry person but through the years obviously that dissipated I, I always said you had money Johnny <laughs> I wish I had it now yeah but that, that dissipated through the years you know there was there was a falling out somewhere where my granny my granny's mother fell pregnant out of wedlock and she was disowned by the family and that's how she ended up in the Gorbals and my father was his Father, his fa- father's father, his father's father lived in the Gorbals when they left uh, Monaghan way back in the eighteen hundreds. Wow! And to go back that far, Johnny is amazing, and it's brilliant. And 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 you're only living down the road now. There you go. <laughs> you know, I, I've actually lived longer in Drogheda than I did in Glasgow. Yeah, that's but you, but you've still you've still kept you still have a, you still have your place in in the Gorbals. You've still kept. Uh, well, it's it's just it's just up near Handon. It's not so much in the Gorbals. It's just up near Handon. Well, I've spending so much time in Glasgow, you know, um, over to see Celtic and between staying in the hotels and staying with friends and staying with relatives and I don't know about you, Andrew, but it's a nice day with somebody. It's not, it's uncomfortable. You can't do the things you do on your own if you're in the house, you know. So it'll be 20, 20 years ago this year, I remortgaged my house and I bought a place in Glasgow and I still use it more than regular, believe me. I got my money's worth out of it. 
Well, I always said, you know, don't buy in the Casa del Sol or Mexico, buy a holiday home and just down the road from the garbage. That's it, there you have it. <laughs> you, get, you mightn't get the weather, but you'll get the crack. Yeah, but the, just staying in the garbage before we move on. Benny Lynch is from the garbage. You know, so there's, I suppose when, like a way out of the garbage is through music, sports, you know, it's every working class area and like, to have two European Cup winners and Benny Lynch coming from your area, like it's, it's something to be, it's, like it's an area to be proud of, you know. And I'm sure there's more that I don't know about. Oh, this, uh, Alan Pinkerton, who started the Pinkerton Detective Agency in America, he was for the Garbles. So Thomas Lipton, he was for the Garbles. I mean, the, the, this, the next Prime Minister, uh, Bonner Law, came from the Garbles, British Prime Minister. I mean, the, the, there's quite a number of people that you possibly, obviously, haven't heard about. But it's, there's a lot of people from the Garbles on to better things. It must be... Uh... Mostly worth doing a, if someone does a walking tour of it in the area, it would be well worth doing. Yeah. Well, I t- about 1980, I was out working in Germany and I was coming back and I got the train from England up to the Central Station and I was walking to the house in the Orbals. And you know, for the first time, I was, what age is I'd be? I'd be 27 and I looked up and I went, I said to myself, I've never seen that before different things and it kind of intrigued me and I started buying books on architecture about Glasgow and the Gorbals and the Oatlands the surrounding areas and as you say I used to go in little jaunts by myself have a look at places and without a shadow of a doubt Glasgow is the most architectural beautiful city in the world It's funny you should say that Johnny when, when, when I'm walking around Glasgow with Sandra Sandra's culture vulture like if I was in Glasgow on my own I'd see the inside of pubs. I go to a gig, definitely go to football. But when Sam was with me, I've been on the red bus more times than I can count. I've been in every museum. But one thing she always says, she always says, look up. Just look up. Look at the architecture. You know, in the beautiful, you know, the stories that's in it. Because when when you're looking straight in front, you're really looking at shop fronts. But it's only when you look up. And it is, it's, it's a very, very historic city. And look at Central Station even. I done I done the tour underneath it just before the lockdown, the the Monday after the Samaritan game, and uh, again, Cassandra was with me, and well worth doing, you know. And it's funny when we're in Central Station, the lad that does it, I forget his name, with the long beard, he's a great character. He was saying that um, when when the the whatever sickness came back from the war. He was showing us, you know, pictures and that of um, all the people dead, lying dead and sick in Central Station and the women were coming in to identify their husbands, you know, coming home from the war. Because um, they had brought back, they brought back a, a disease from the trenches. And it was just, and then, you know, within a couple of weeks, we're in a pandemic, like, and you're kind of going, imagine that now. And all of a sudden, you're looking at mass graves in some countries and, Oh, just, just mad the way the way the way it goes, and I, because I was in the garbage the other day, Johnny, and because we're in um, characters, there has to be some characters still there, and some characters that come through them pubs and there. There's one guy who's still around, uh, James Spencer, a legend, an absolute legend. He's actually an uncle of Johnny Spencer, played the Rangers in Chelsea. That. Years ago, they used to allow the, the orange parades to go through the garbles and it used to cause an awful lot of 
obviously unhappiness. And one year, James decided, big lamb, big drum, that he was going to throw himself straight through the middle of it. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and for years, James had to go to the Cumberland Street Police Station the day of the walk. But he used to bring the sandwiches with him, the flask of tea. But in the flask, the whiskey, hot whiskey, you know. And so by the time I left there at five o'clock at night, he'd be drunk, you know. <laughs> he's still around, you know. He's out. I, I remember when Nakamura played with his uh, Japanese TV, came into the brazen. And who did they interview about? Jameson. <laughs> Nobody, we can't understand what he was saying. So the Japanese guys definitely had no chance of what he was saying, you know. And it was broadcast live, apparently, or shown in uh, Tokyo. You know? and just imagine what they thought of the people in the goggles. If you told the story of the drum, I'm sure they would have loved them. But it, I'm also intrigued now to find out, Johnny, because I know you a long time. But generally when we meet, we're talking football. Um, or we're running for a bus, or we're running for a plane. Drada, Johnny. Now, I've heard loads of stories about Belbriggan. And the connections, yeah. the likes of Freddie and, yeah. you know, the, the the people that are from Balbriggan. But Drada doesn't have a have a connection with Glasgow. So how did you end up here? Was it was it love? Was it walk? Or was it both? Okay, like everybody else, he came to Balbriggan camping every year with the, the Boys Guild. You know, guys came back for years and went to the same girls and eventually married them. Now, I came because of uh, a girl in Balbriggan, but it didn't work out. Which was to my benefit now because of who I'm married to, you know. But for 27 years, the Boys Guild came to Balbriggan camping for six weeks every year. And two weeks before the Scotties, as we were called, would arrive, the girls would dump their boyfriends. So come the, the disco in the town hall on a Friday night, they'd be mayhem. <laughs> but Sunday night in Red Island, or Saturday night in Red Island, when the dubs come up for Dublin, the Bobrigan boys and the Scotties stood shoulder to shoulder. And so I have, I have lots of great friends. Don't see them as much now as possibly I should. But I have lots of great friends in Bobrigan. You know, so I stayed there for the first eight years, before, up until I got married. And I wanted to get a flat there and I was told a flat no. We're moving to Drada. My wife's from Drada, she's from Bolton Street. She was living out in Colwood Hill at the time, down at Monster Boys. So that was it. Um... After the first year of marriage, the work here was virtually none, you know. And I was a carpenter by trade. So I said, look, I'll go head off over to um, London. I'd been in London, I knew London, and I got a job straight away. My first daughter was born on the June of 85, and in August, Caroline and Samantha moved to, to London. And we had two boys in London, Gary and Ryan. We stayed there for five years. Then after that, I said, nah, I don't want to raise my children in London, so we'll head back home. So fortunately, we, we were lucky enough to have bought a place in uh, Dagenham at the time. So we came back, we had a wee bit of a nest egg, so we, we bought the house in Meadowview, where we still stay, and where I'll never leave. Even though I, I keep saying, even if I win the lottery tomorrow, I'll stay in Meadowview. Ah, oh, well, like, money, money can't buy a comfort, Johnny, and like, you know, it's part of hate when he's in the podcast says, you know, money was never going to change me. And he's made it quite a bit. He said, fame might have changed me, but money was never going to change me. He says, what am I going to do? Live in a bigger house and build walls so I can hide behind them and 
drive a drive a bigger car so I can look down on people. You know, so yeah, I know exactly where I come from. I wouldn't leave my little house because uh, if I won the lot, because I just blow all the money. I just go on one big party, Johnny. Because like I wouldn't leave the house, but I probably I'd probably park the yacht on the barn. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's not there already. <laughs> no, that's a trailer. Yeah, and funny you to say that the the boys guild um, when we had Jim McCallagher on uh, on the podcast, Sean Wilson messaged me and Johnson Balbriggan. And Sean was quite a good footballer. He would have played League of Ireland and Leinster League. And he said he remembers playing against them when the when the boys' guild would come over. And obviously Jim went on and you know made a decent career for himself. There was a lot. There's a lot of good football players come out the Gorbis who never made it. Then there was other guys who could have made it, but their lifestyle put an end to that. I think that's everywhere, but isn't it? Yeah, well, true enough. Yeah, I mean. Without naming names, I, I could. One guy who you would know very well he used to be a, a Quality Street kid, and unfortunately, he couldn't handle the the money that he had. And at seventeen, he was drinking, and Big Jock found out about it and gave him a warning. And he was caught then trying to break into a, a pub in Govan Hill and said, "That's you finished." And th- this guy, I mean, if you read like the George Connolly's book or David Hayes book. They all talk about him. What a fabulous... Steen actually saved him. He was 16. This is the best prospect I've ever seen at 16. And he, he spunked it all away for what? For a few beers. Just, I see I see lads now, that even even lads that, you know, played pro football, played at the highest level, and they've, they've fallen on hard times as well. So, you know, the... I suppose when, you, when, when, you're at the, when you're at the peak or at the top, you know, the only way is down. You know, see, so it's it's probably if you have the right mindset, you'll stay at the top. But I think the players now have like I think I think if he was playing now, he would have got more chances. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I think we've we've one or two in the team. They seem to get plenty of chances. Yeah, true enough. You know, but yeah, you like you said, you you walked away, Johnny, the building trade. You walked in London, uh, but I know you've been to Nigeria because you Ghana and Ghana and Indonesia uh, you know, places you wouldn't really be on the map for. for Going for a Nixer. But you know, there must be some great stories on them travels as well, trying to get to see games, because I know how much Celtic means to you. I was actually thinking today, actually, when I was driving home, when we first got married, and money was very tight. We were down in London. But I could always find a few bob salted away that I'd got to Glasgow for a couple of games. And it used to cause a wee bit of friction. You know, how can you go to Glasgow and you can't buy this and you can't buy that? And my favourite saying, and I still say it to Caroline now, is you don't understand. You know, we laugh about it now, but sometimes it wasn't funny back then. But as as we got, we came back here and things started to pick up, then Caroline, after raising the three kids, went back to work and things changed. Then we both had a few pounds, you know, so. No, i tell you the best thing ever happened, Andrew, and... I was in working in Indonesia in 1998 and I came home in December and Caroline had booked the new year in Glasgow. It was a 2 nothing game when Lambert and Burley scored. And the next day we went up to Celtic Park and we'd done the tour of Celtic Park. And as we left the main stand to head over to the Brother Wilfred stand, she stopped kind of behind the goal at the Celtic end and looked around the place and she said to me, I kind of understand now what this is all about. 
And from that day on, believe me, from that day on, she never once berated me for going to Glasgow. It was basically, she started actually coming to the games with me. Then we would go over as a family, we'd drive over and we'd, five of us would go to the games. Then the two boys didn't have a great deal of interest in football. But my daughter, myself and my daughter, when she was 13, 14, 15, we'd go to Glasgow nearly every two weeks. I tell you, we stayed in some um, awful hotels <laughs> trying to save money. <laughs> oh, well, you know, needs must, Johnny, you know. You know, st- you know staying in a five-star hotel once a month or staying in a, in a dump twice a month, you know, I know what I'd pick. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picking the dump because I'm getting the two games. But what, like, what about, you know, in, I suppose the last place you were, Johnny, was, was Nigeria, wasn't no, it? Oh, Ghana? Ghana, Ghana. So, like, can you get to see the games over now? Yes, uh, there's no such things as internet as such in the games on Celtic TV, but in the laptop, I got one of the local IT wizards to change, I think it's the IP address, then I, I, I sent to Celtic, paid my subscription. So I'd watch it, but the streaming was terrible, you know, you'd, you'd see it and you wouldn't see it. You know. But one of the best nights I had in Accra was the night we beat Barcelona. It's one of my biggest regrets. Two games, my biggest regrets watching Celtic that I didn't get to was the Barcelona game. But we watched it in an Irish bar called Ryan's of all places. And that night Chelsea were playing, I think it was Shakhtar Donetsk and Man City were playing, I can't remember, playing a German team. And one of them drew and one of them lost and we beat Barcelona. Well, I let the English crowd know a thousand times that night. They keep telling me, what are you, what are you watching that for? You want to get slaughtered. Oh. But we didn't. And it's probably one of the greatest nights in Celtic's history. The other game, which to this day still vexes me that I missed, was me beat Liverpool at Anfield 2 nothing. Hartson and Thompson. I was all set to go. I had a ticket for the game. I had a flight at 12 o'clock. And about 10 o'clock that morning on the site in um, uh, Clonsilla, we had an accident. So I was being brought, but we were at corporate entertainment. I had to phone the guy up, so I can't go, so I need to stay here. And that night when I sat and watching the game, and I kept saying to myself, again, another game that I'd love to have been at. But I've been to thousands of games, though. It's, it's always the one that, you know, that got away, because you, you don't remember all the ones you've been at, because you're going, I should be there. Or I was lucky enough to be in Anfield, I got a ticket. Just got word of a ticket the night before and Mark Bork managed to squeeze me onto a flight the next day to Manchester and yeah, it was it was it was a great um it was a great night. But I remember that day and I remember I remember Mark and he was like an unsung hero. He they, there must have been twenty lads on that on that flight without tickets and he walked his ass off on a mobile phone all day and you know, no matter what part of the stadium they were in. Because I think they got, when we got on the plane, I was the only one with a ticket. I remember Jerry Gillen saying to me, he's going to have his walk out, getting us all a ticket. But you know how them boys walked. If they got contacts here and contacts there. But but I think people don't see that as well. You know, they just see the, you know, they don't see the walk that the people put in running clubs and like that goes on behind the scenes, look, making sure that their members get tickets. You know, and it's a thankless task for a lot of people. But, he did it. I remember him in an Irish club. We went to this Irish club and I remember him walking up and down and to the phone, he was inside, he was outside. And, but like so, and like there's, there's thousands of Mark uh, books around that will, will will walk their ass off to get tickets. Yeah, we have one, John Comiskey in the, the prison. 
But again, it was in the railway club then. I was over for a couple. I had travelled to Glasgow to go with the lads out the out the Franks, and the night before we're leaving the Sunday. The night before it, all we had was one ticket between twelve of us. And he says, I'm keeping, I say, I'm taking the ticket. He says, no, no, no. He says, you have the ballot. He says, no, no. He says, I'm keeping the ticket. We got up to Glasgow Airport on the Sunday afternoon for the flight to Malaga. And the flight was delayed. And it was only then he took out an envelope and gave us all of our tickets for Seville. You know, if it wasn't so ugly, I'd kiss them. <laughs> oh, Seville, Seville, Johnny. Um, same thing with the tickets. I think at the time... I think we had 24 season books and we got a 50% allocation. So that was 12. And we we had a rule then that was like, whoever travelled on the bus, you know, Hilly had a, it was, it was a pen and paper and he got the tick for the trip. So he was, he, he, he walked out many trips everyone had done and told the lucky ones, told the unlucky ones, you know, but some of the unlucky ones came and so we, we bunched together and got a couple of Porto fans and, Maybe one or two was might have got stolen from Touts, but I don't know. I was I was walking the other way at that stage. But most of the lads got in, and one or two maybe had to had to watch it in the in the fan zone. But you know, so many great memories, Johnny. And like, but as you said there, you you spoke about two you missed, but there's plenty you didn't miss. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Too numerous, you know. I mean, I, I could sit here at midnight before I stop talking about it. This one European game that always stands out was when we beat Juventus 4 3. To me, that was a, an ultimate. Lubo that night was superfluous. You know, there's no other word for that. That was Lubo's crowning game. Unfortunately, he couldn't last for the whole game, they took him off. But he, he ran the Juventus ragged that night. Big Sutton, a couple of goals that he scored, especially the volley. You know, unbelievable. And it was payback time because they'd robbed us in Turin. You know, and as far as we, we we won our three home games, we lost our three away games. We shouldn't have lost in in, in Turin. The other two, yeah, we, we we were beaten fair and square, but we ended up in the UEFA Cup then, and that, that was one that got away from Martin O'Neill. And I've, I've been at Q and A's with him, and it's still that and Sev- and Mourinho and Seville still still annoying. But like, I think when that like. I've kind of I've said this loads of times in the podcast. Like you know, I never I used to hear about but nine in a row and European finals and the great Celtic teams and I never thought I'd see a nine in a row. You know, I didn't even know what a quadruple treble was. You know, certainly no so now. Nobody, nobody knew that. You know, yeah. and uh, but to get to a European final, there's just there's something special, Johnny, about um, Europe, away days in Europe, and you know, just the whole build up to Seville and. The madness in Glasgow, like you know, sand outside pubs and deck chairs, and you know the the bullfighter when we went to Oibrox on the roundabout, and just the whole um, pantomime and cabaret of it, you know, and it was just it would have been crowned if if you know, like we were all good at that night. Henry Glasson, two goals in the final, so I suppose when he when he got his Champions League win with with Barcelona when he came off that bench and, and won the game for them, um, I suppose you know he got his. Because he got his rewards, but but we never got rewards, and I always feel Johnny we were only maybe three players away from you know a team that could compete in Europe, and with them with the the way football's gone now, Johnny, it just seems like a lifetime away. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, I'm not going to criticise 
Well, I'm not going to name names, but I always felt there was four players that day who never played to the full potential. And that cost us heavily. And Bobo had been sent off and I had a, I had a row with somebody who, who we both know one day in the Brazen. He cost us a cup. He didn't cost us a cup, Bobo. The goalkeeper cost us a cup. Yeah. I remember when we left the gate, we, we rented a car, four of us were rented a car in the Torre Molinas and we drove up to Seville. Down to the stadium, parked the car up. He says, we'll get it tomorrow sometime. But when we left and we walked back into the town, into Seville, it was like a scene out of the living dead. <laughs> it was just people walking about with their heads on their, on their chest. Yeah. So we, we got there and we got to a park bench basically and I said to the other three guys, sit in that seat and don't move. And I walked all the way, it took about 45 minutes to walk away back down to the ground, picked up the car, came back, got the boys in the car and drove all the way back to Torre Molinas. Go home about six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we, we got a bus that night. I came out, I got a taxi up. We were staying in Ben Medina and the crack was 90 down now. And we got a taxi up. I just couldn't do the bus. I think probably too hung over, Johnny. And I got up and I, I didn't, I didn't have one bear for the whole day because I was just, I just wanted to remember this. I wanted to remember every detail. And uh, when I left the stadium that night, I just wanted to forget. <laughs> you know, just, just the way, you know, just the way it goes. But look, I suppose Celtic has brought us it's brought us everywhere Johnny you know and uh, when you think of it it's brought us to Las Vegas for a convention yeah, yeah, yeah. now when did you ever think that had happened and more recently it brought us to Thailand Thailand yes you know and, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll be back in 2023 so but there's another another journey I want to ask you about um, you followed Ireland to the World Cup I went in 94 to America yeah enjoy it immensely first time ever in America and since then, I haven't stopped coming back. <laughs> uh, I went with Martin Walsh and um, Peter um, McCann for Clotterhead and Jimmy Bashford for uh, somewhere up near Trim. There was, there was 10 of us went. Um, after the Italy game, I never got to the Italy game because I couldn't get a ticket. So I watched in the pub. But after that, I went up to Cape Cod for a week and we just enjoyed ourselves up in Cape Cod. We left there, went back down to New York for the Norway match. Got tickets for that, no problem. Then we came home. But it was just a, a wonderful trip. I made, even to this day, I still call them very good friends on that trip. People I'd never met before. But after living in each other's pockets for basically 10 days, you know, I'm proud to call them friends. Yeah, Heli speaks very fondly of uh, that World Cup and then he, but. The best was um, Eugene and Jerry Lauder-Mercy on him, uh, Charlie Tindall and the trip they went on because they, when they were in the sky, the travel agent went bust. So they begged, borrowed and st- stole. I think they even get onto a plane without tickets at one stage. And I think Gary Kelly looked after them for tickets. And they were, you know, they, it was a case of they were going to the team hotel looking for guys to get, to get tickets. And in fair play, they did. But they managed to get, you know, with this company bust, they managed to get round every game and get yeah, home. Very resourceful. You know, so uh, fair play to them. But yeah, I I think, you know, I think everyone, every football fan, um, if the team gets to a major tournament, they should, they should go along for the ride, even if they haven't got guaranteed tickets because, uh, you know, I, I've been to the Euros and it's, you know, it's, that's what we're doing, you know, because when, when the World Cups came around, um, 
it was a time when I just wouldn't have had the money, Johnny, you know. And then the Euros is a bit more realistic. So, but yeah, and, and I, I, I kind of regret not going to Japan because uh, we went we went to Vegas and we probably spent as much money in Vegas as we would we would have spent in Japan, you know. So, but it was it was good watching the the games in um, the New Frontier. I think we watched Saudi Arabia and the Spanish game. We did not watch the Germany game as well. I wasn't there. You weren't there. I obviously flew out yeah, after yeah. that. Um, but yeah, look. The first year I went was in 2000 to the New Frontier and they had it out in the car park because they, they could, didn't have a hole big enough. And I remember when we got there and everybody was done up with their evening gowns on and shirts and ties and the place was full of cops, you know, cowboy hats and the dark glasses. About two hours into the thing, the cops are all sitting drinking beer. <laughs> this is not an issue here, you know, why are we here? Yeah. But that was our force as well, Johnny and the heat. Yeah. Uh, that was my first time going to to America. And as you say, you, you do go back because it's such, an, such, such a big place and, you know, kind of a culture shock when you get that force. Like, but Hilly had booked it with, with a couple of the Nate Park boys and I... I, I Knew nothing else of it, you know. We we arrived in LA and we had a day to kill, but we were flying that evening, you know. And we'd, we'd enjoyed ourselves coming over on the plane. We're standing at the taxi rank waiting to get taxis to Santa Monica. Hilly comes round the corner in a bus with a little Puerto Rican driver. There always has to be a bus involved in Celtic fans. And we all bailed on. And I, I always remember going down the freeway, about seven lanes of traffic. And the tricolour hanging out the window. And the Reva music on. And I just looked at Suey Tui. You know Suey, Tommy's all over. All I just looked at Suey and I said to Suey, I said, this is absolute mental. And he, he just, you know, lads banging windows. And But when we got to Santa Monica, um, Hilly had collected the money and paid the driver. And I said, what did you pay him for? He's not going to come back. Ah, he will. Four hours later or five hours later, same spot, the Puerto Rican driver comes back. So there is good people out there, but and then the rest of the week was just, just great. A block, you know? just a block. Yeah, it was, well, yeah, it was, it, was, it was. Just put it this way: I was glad Sandra was with me because uh, after three or four days, I was just because I'd never experienced the time zone either, Johnny. You know, but it was just ah, look, it was amazing. But here, listen, talking about time zones, I have a time machine. And every time I have a guest in, Johnny, and I know you're a regular listener, or at least I hope you are, um, I always want them to take us back to a match or a moment, you know, during your life. And I suppose because Celtic means so much to you, you know, if you can take us back to a, a Celtic match or a Celtic memory. Whether you start with that one, you yeah. um, know. Aberdeen Cup final in 2017. And I don't admit I shed a tear. And it was just tears of pure happiness that we'd done the treble. I'd seen trebles before under Martin and under Jock. But there was just something so special about that. We went undefeated for the whole season. I go to Hamden with the same person. She's a 75-year-old lady. And she lives in Eastbourne. She was born in Scotland to Scottish parents, but moved down there when she was two months. But she started following Celtic. And she comes up to Glasgow for all the big games. And we always get tickets together. Whatever way it's allocated, we always get tickets together. And we were there and when Roderick scored the goal, I, I started crying. 
just tears, tears of pure happiness. And that was ultimate. And I remember saying to Ellen, the good Lord can take me now. That's the God's honest truth. But he didn't. So I'll probably see a few more. Yeah, well, this year, Johnny, we want to see um, a league title, an automatic champions yes, league that, qualification. That, that, that's a big catch at the end of it, automatic yeah. qualification. Oh, and then because if we don't, and our neighbours do, um, we basically took, we, you know, when we had our foot in their throat, we let, we, we not only did we give them a hand up, we gave them a couple of quid in the pocket to see them to see them home that night. And that's that's the way I feel about it because uh, if the shoe was on the other foot, they would have broken eggs. Yeah, definitely. You know? yeah. So, uh, Johnny, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks very much for opening up your Celtic soul to us. Uh, and I'm sure we'll bump into each other more in Glasgow than we will in Drada well, as the season goes on. Yeah. Next two home games, I'm over. I, I used to book up, when the fixers come out, I used to book up every game to the, the split but then a couple of years ago when you get knocked out of the Champions League or you get into the UEFA you had to buy another ticket to go home on the Monday so now I'm just doing it especially in the, the climate we're living in today yeah. I'm just doing it piecemeal so I was over last weekend I'm over for the first home and the second home game whether I get a ticket in the ballot that's in the, the hands of the gods but I'll be there anyway if I don't see it at Celtic Park I'll just watch it in the Brazen uh, hopefully you'll get one um, and sure you wouldn't have heard of a spare one knocking about you better believe it Andrew my friend no there was a couple <laughs> the other night as well so there was as I said Johnny thank you so much for coming on to the show thank you for bringing me in I really enjoyed myself brilliant to have Johnny yet another guest in the studio in the flesh for a chat and going forward we'll have a mix of guests in the studio and we'll also use the technologies available to continue to get guests from all walks of life onto the show from all corners of the world. Fans have stood on the terraces, players have worn the hoops, and those who share our values who may not support our team. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter, and you'll find links for all our audio, video and articles and a few more bits and pieces on those pages. If you're enjoying all our free content and can afford a small donation, please click the donate button on our homepage, CelticFansing.com. That allows us to continue to produce quality, independent fan journalism across all our platforms and hopefully soon back in the flesh at Celtic AM. Thanks as always to the show's producer, Ronan McQuillan, our video editor, Daniel Faulkner, Aaron Boyle for steering the good ship on the, the ground in Glasgow and it was great to see you, Aaron, when we were over. Thanks so much for what you've done for us during the lockdown. To Richie, our graphic designer, who's working hard at the moment on issue 116, which we're looking forward to getting out. So, folks, that's it for another week. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Don't forget to check out our bonus content on the YouTube channel and also on our podcast platforms. And let's hope we can get the results we all crave against Midland. And I'm looking forward to bumping into some of the listeners in Glasgow when it's safe to do so at away games also, which will be another step let's get the, let's get the stadium full again and then let's get an away game in Scotland and who knows maybe an away game in Europe I'm really looking forward now to the season I'm, I'm fully vaccinated got me digital cert and been through the airports a few times and in the last week so I'm, I'm kind of getting back to normal and I even, I even had a DJ gig so that, that was another step in the right direction well anyway folks continue to stay safe keep the faith we'll be back with another Celtic Soul podcast soon and this week we play out with Glasgow band 
Asset Ultras.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.